Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 48. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to give a special shout out to our New York City listeners, and I want you to save the date on September 20th. That's a Thursday night. I'm coming to the Big Apple to host a live recording of the Bossed Up Podcast brought to you by General Assembly New York City. They'll be hosting us for an awesome evening of answering career conundrums in real time with my surprise guest who... I will be announcing very soon on the podcast. If you want to hang with me for a totally free event, save the date and stay tuned for more information at bossedup.org or make sure you're on the email list there so you'll be in the know when tickets are available. Space is limited, but tickets are absolutely free. I hope to hang with you on September 20th in New York City. Today, we are talking about how to stand out in a crowded marketplace, specifically how to think about your online brand as a tool in your own job search, or even when you're starting your own agency, your own company, your own initiative. One of the things I think is absolutely necessary in our Google-heavy world and search engine-optimized world and very social media-saturated world is to start thinking about defining your own online brand or really just defining your own brand as a professional. It's never too early to get started on this. And today's listener-submitted career conundrum actually comes from a recent grad who wants to know how she can stand out during her job search as she's about to enter a pretty intense and competitive field. Take a listen. Hi, I'm Celine. I'm calling from Denver, Colorado, and I'm calling because I was wondering if you have advice for recent grads who are looking to jump into a competitive industry. Maybe there's a way to stand out when you've kind of exhausted your networking options, and I know this is really tricky to get your foot in the door when you're starting out, and I would love your advice. I love the show and the work you do to empower women. Celine, this is such a great question. Thanks so much for calling in with it. I love that you're thinking strategically about how to stand out and make the impression you want to make when you are on the job search, especially as a recent grad who doesn't have that much of a work history, I'm assuming, to really define who you are as a professional. Joining me on the podcast today to help break this down is a total pro in the digital space when it comes to branding your organization or your own self online. 
Carrie Kirpin is the co-founder and CEO of Likeable Media, an award-winning content studio that was named the sixth best place to work in New York City. She's also the author of Work It, Secrets for Success from the Boldest Women in Business, a columnist for Inc. and Forbes, and she's been featured in the New York Times, ABC World News Tonight, Fox News, and CNBC. She also has a great show on Facebook with the same name of her book, Work It, in which she interviews badass women in business all about their secrets to success. And wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, you can also find Carrie's podcast, All the Social Ladies, which focuses on women in digital media. Carrie, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Emily. I'm excited. So first, before we dive into Celine's question, tell us a little bit about how you got into digital media and really what the story behind Likeable Media is all about. So the story behind Likeable Media was not that dissimilar to Celine's challenge or anyone's challenge, really, which is that we had a problem and we needed to solve it, right? Like you, she's thinking about how to stand out. She's got to look at a solution and do something really bold and interesting. We had a problem, which was that my husband was a larger than life personality and wanted everyone he's ever known to come to our wedding. Now, Emily, I'm not talking about like people from high school. Legit, like he was on this chat right now. He would be like, oh, hi, Emily, I just met you. Come to my wedding, so exciting. And so we had a problem because in New York City, weddings aren't cheap. And there are very few places to hold that many people of everyone who you meet in the street. So we had to get really creative and we both came from a brand marketing background and decided that we would pitch a minor league baseball stadium. We went to the Brooklyn Cyclones, who's the minor league affiliate of the New York Mets. And we said, Hey, we have a crazy idea. We want you to have your normal game and have a theme for the night called our field of dreams. Instead of like Pepsi tossing t-shirts into the audience, like normally at a ball game, 1-800-Flowers will toss bridal bouquets. It'll all be wedding themed. We'll get married on the field after the game and we'll raise money for charity and you'll get a lot of press. I love this. Yeah. So this was just really an attempt to solve a problem. And of course they said, you're crazy, but try it. It worked. We raised $100,000 in sponsorships. We raised $20,000 for the MS Society and we got all of this press. And so a lot of the press was not only traditional, but it was also digital and really took off. And so all of these sponsors came to us and they were like, this was amazing. You guys, you really understand digital because this was back <laughs> six, when very few people really understood. Yeah. You get it. You got to do something like this again. They're like, <laughs> do it again. Not having a sponsored baby, not having a sponsored divorce, <laughs> all the questions. So we said, we're going to start an agency based on great word of mouth marketing. And that was 2006. And in 2007, Facebook opened beyond the college market. We knew that social media was going to be the fastest form of word of mouth. And we just jumped. And so cut to now, 12 years later, we have a 50-person agency in New York City, still focused primarily on social first marketing, but expanding way beyond that to all kinds of advertising. I love that. And as my listeners know, I've been talking a little bit about how I'm preparing for my wedding in just a few weeks. And now I wish I'd talked to you like a year ago. <laughs> so I, could have... I get that question a lot about sponsored weddings. And it's funny. It's kind of like just this perfect moment, this perfect storm of things. And I love the idea that your company started on your wedding day, which is so poetic. 
it's beautiful. You co-founded with your husband and then now you both have authored books about your expertise. Is that correct? Can you tell me more about that? So in 2010, Dave was approached to write a book around social media at a time where there weren't as many social media marketers. It wasn't as crowded of a landscape. So he became an author and wrote Likeable Social Media, which became a New York Times bestseller. And then he went into the author space, writing and speaking. And eventually he wanted to launch a startup. And so technology startup, so different from the agency. And so when we opened the agency, it was great because I was the chief operating officer. I made sure everything happened. Clients were happy, we were staffed, the bills were paid, all these things. And Dave was the CEO. He was the face. He was the boss. And so in 2013, he left to start his own thing. And I stepped into his shoes as the CEO of Likeable. And of course, at that time, it was a very different world. Uh, it was much more crowded than it was in 2007 when nobody was doing this. And most of the leaders in my industry were all really loud, extroverted, and male. I was none of these things. None. And so for me, it was really, really challenging. And ultimately, what I ended up doing was connecting with and utilizing the strength of other women together, the collective power of women to help grow my business. I launched a podcast called All the Social Ladies, where I would interview women and I would talk to women at, at the brand level and really start to just really get out there and network and use that power. And then based off of the success of that strategy, I launched a book called Work It, Secrets for Success from the Boldest Women in Business, which really addresses a lot of challenges like the one that Celine lays out for your podcast. Excellent. And I have to say, as CEO, you've also landed these awards as one of the top 50 ad agencies and the top 50 fastest growing women-owned business by WPO and American Express Open. Seems like an actually awesome place to work, having my real come-up story started in the world of political digital marketing, where we also saw those same trends. And so I'm excited to be speaking with not only a CEO who hires people and knows how to grow a fund and fantastic team, because that's relevant to Celine's question, but also someone who knows a thing or two about how to stand out in a crowded marketplace. So top of the head thoughts on what Celine should really be considering as she starts figuring out a solution to her challenge about how to stand out as a job seeker. So my dear Queen Celine, I would say that. <laughs> first of all, I could always tell you to do lots of interesting things to stand out. For instance, in my husband's most recent book, he talks about how he only wears orange shoes. He developed a signature style and this is it. He only wears orange shoes and he's known for that. And people identify wow. with him because he has this signature style. There are lots of tips and tricks like that. However, the tip and trick that I feel is counterintuitive, but so necessary is to think long and hard about what your weaknesses are, what you think your weaknesses are, and use that to your advantage. So I just did a show yesterday where I was talking to a woman that was the youngest uh, vice president in her company. She was one of the only Indian women at her company. She was one of the only women that was in leadership at her company. And at first, she found that very, very intimidating. And ultimately, she started to own that to stand out. Similarly, with me, when I stepped into Dave's shoes, his orange shoes, as the <laughs> likable, I was not loud and I was not 
started. And I, the thought of being on social media and talking about myself all day, which was every leader I saw in the space was like, I'm going to hustle. It's me. Look at me. Look at me. And I felt like doing that as an attempt to stand out would be my worst nightmare. And so leaning into that, knowing who I was and knowing that that was a weakness allowed me to take that weakness and work it into my strength, which was, I'm not going to talk about myself all day on social media. I'm actually going to reach out to other women who might be scared to tell their own stories. And I'm going to tell their stories on social media. And that's going to make me stand out and be more interesting. And in that process, I eventually learned how to get over and past the things that I thought were weaknesses. So my real advice is think about what makes you insecure because whatever makes you insecure is really the truest version of who you are. And you, you're kind of feeling bad about it. Flip the script on it. How can you use that that makes you insecure to actually make you stand out? Right. And to start being your own champion yeah. instead of your own critic, right? Yes. yes. I really like that because it's so different than the entire framework that women and all people really are taught in school. In school, we get really good at figuring what somebody else wants from us. And you can work hard and put your nose to the grindstone and deliver on those expectations when there's a syllabus in front of you. Life after graduation is so different. You have to start defining for yourself what you want your success to look like. And so starting to get comfortable with what makes you feel insecure is just a compassionate way to build confidence in yourself, I feel like. Yes. The greatest gift you can ever give yourself is to learn and understand who you are. Once you learn and understand who you are and you are unapologetic about who you are, there are things that you can do to work on yourself, but that's on your own terms. Really understanding yourself will help you stand out because you will be totally authentically and unapologetically you. I'm almost thinking though, as a recent grad, I had to learn that the hard way by figuring out, oh, this job is not what is true to myself. <laughs> exactly. And you're going to trip yeah. and fall and you're going to take something. See, I would rather see you swing and then not swing. So take something. The only way you're going to know it is to actually try it. Of course, there are all of the things about if you want to succeed in an organization fitting into their infrastructure, but you can still be your authentic self and do that. And I think I want to see you trying and maybe taking something that you would You say, okay, this is my dream job. This might not be my dream job, but I'm actually going to try it and see because sometimes what you think is right. It's kind of like wedding dresses when you go wedding dress shopping. <laughs> you don't <laughs> yeah. say, I want the strapless dress. And then you're trying on other dresses and you're like, oh my God, the cap sleeve is a much better fit or the A-line or whatever it is. You know, you have to <gasps> yes. just get in there. Yeah, because that distance between what you think you want and what you actually realize you want is can be a pretty grand one, especially after a lifetime of socialization, of performing for others. Now, Celine, is really the time to leave that mindset behind. But it's it's tricky. I think a lot of women in particular fall into this perfectionistic, performance-focused trap because we kind of kick ass in school, right? We've been out earning our male counterparts in degrees for 30 years because we know how to follow the rules. But it's tricky when you've got to make up your own rules. So, yeah. As someone who hires and interviews folks, what are the kind of rule breakers you're looking for when you're interviewing for folks in your team? Or what are, 
the ways that folks can positively stand out? I am going to tell you a story of my most recent interview. Okay. And she hasn't even been hired yet, but I know she will be because I have to go through a variety of interviewing checkpoints, but I know she's going to get that job. She reached out to me and she said, and I'm the CEO. So I normally don't, I, I'm involved in hiring, but I'm not running the hiring. Need 15 minutes of your time and gave me exactly why and you know, made sure was very focused on a limited amount of time and what value she could offer to me. I took her 15 minutes. She walks in. First of all, she was here early, but not too early. She walks in with a cup of coffee and she was like, I needed to bring you coffee. I know you only have 15 minutes. Here you go. And she came in with a mission. Like, here's what I want to tell you. I have really great strength in the PR space, but I need to get into digital. I'm willing to take a step down in order to do that in my career. And here I am. And I just wanted you to know that I'm here and I'm willing actually to take a position at a mid-manager level versus a senior manager level because I know what I don't know yet and I'm going to prove it to you that I can. Wow. To me, it was the effective use of the 15 minutes and if she knew what she wanted to say, she was prepared, she was ready to go. And then she had follow-up questions for me that were so good and so strong. And I think that's that's the key. It's like, you want to stand up? I'm telling you, most of these interviews are a snooze fest. Be curious, be genuinely interested in learning about the person you're talking to. Genuinely curious. Think about what value you can offer to them and what you want to learn about them and what you can learn from them in that 15 minutes. I would look at every interview as an opportunity to get like free coaching, really, because they're giving all yeah. this advice and, and you're having a dialogue. I think that that's key. So key. And I love that you're giving a good demonstration of what a strong informational interview looks like, because informational interviews are almost overplayed in how important they are. But I can't overstate how important they are, because that's the basis of networking and growing your community and making friends with people in your industry who are in a position to potentially hire you someday. They're essential. And if you take the timing and the pressure out of it, it makes such a stronger impact. I'll tell you what doesn't stand out is applying to jobs that are out there, you know, on Indeed or any of these things, you're in a sea of other people. But if you look at where you want to work and you look at setting informational interviews with people who you have any form of connection to in any way, whether it's alumni, whether it's knowing through a friend of a friend, that is how you will stand out. And how you run that informational interview, like you mentioned, matters even more than getting it. Like getting it is a good first step, but getting it and then ruining it, coming to it late, unprepared, unfocused, not curious about that person, not knowing anything about that person is, a, is worse than not having the informational interview at all. Well, it's coming to it expecting that it's like an in-down interview, expecting like it's the type of interview where they're going to ask you a slew of questions. They're not. You ask for the meeting. It's your meeting. And that to me is a powerful thing, right? It's like, okay, wow, I asked for this meeting. I got this time. What am I going to use these 15 minutes for? Right. And so being proactive about knowing your agenda, so to speak, knowing how you're going to go in and state a clear transfer of values. That's the part I think trips a lot of job seekers up is who am I to offer any value to someone amazing like Carrie Kirpin? Like, how am I supposed to ever come up with anything? Do you have any advice on that? Because I find that happen a lot. Yes, everybody has value to offer. Everybody. Here's the thing for young people, 
you have no idea what it's like to be somebody who is what I call a digital immigrant, right? Somebody who was not born into this world of digital first communication. You are digital natives. You are born into this space. You are learning at a rate that is infinitely faster than those of us who weren't. I am telling you right now that the first time I saw this, right? I knew a lot about Facebook in 2007. I knew a lot about Twitter. I got these networks. They were really felt good to me. The second Snapchat started and stories started, I had to learn a whole new language. And that to me gave me really good insight into how my clients feel. And so for you, think about what you can offer and how you can say, hey, you know, by the way, I don't know if you've seen how video is impacting LinkedIn lately. Have you thought about doing any video stuff? I love this piece you wrote or this article that mentioned you. You should consider looking at this kind of stuff or anything that helps position you. Or guess what? Another thing too, a lot of times I tell them like, if you're investigating and someone has kids, ask them about how their kids are experiencing digital media and do they struggle with that relationship. And like coming from a young person first, having that conversation from that perspective, trust me, every parent who is in a business position in the world is worrying about that right now too. Listen to fresh young perspectives. Think about the things that you know about and how you can engage around that. Right. And don't be hesitant to say, oh, I just read something about that. Or I just heard something on a podcast about that. You know, be forthright with connecting powerful people to powerful resources or to other people that you think they should know. Bring someone a book that you yeah. think is really valuable based on what you've read about them. I, I, I had this book. I just read it. It was so good. It made me think of actually our interview that was coming up because I know that you're very right. focused on change. And so whatever, you know, transfer leadership transformation or, you know, whatever it is, find something that could really interest them and be a part of that conversation. I love it. Now, part of standing out in the job hunt reminds me a lot about standing out as a brand on the internet. It's not an easy feat. There's a lot of noise in the space. There's a crowded marketplace, a lot of job applicants, just like there's a lot of branded Twitter accounts out there. When it comes to branding Celine or really defining what Celine cares the most about and how that connects to the organizations she's interviewing with, do you have any basic starting tips for thinking about your own personal brand and how to communicate that digitally as well as in person? Yes. One of the things that I write about in the book is something that I call the total stranger test. So this will be really good for your audience to look at. Everything you put out on social media, everything that's across the web when you're Googled is the impression of you. It's things that people will be looking at before they hire you. It's things that people have never met you are looking at. It's people who are potentially dating you, like you name it, it's out there. Okay. And so the reality is you want to think long and hard about how you want to be perceived. And so the total stranger test is this. You come up with three adjectives where how you'd like to be perceived as a person. So I would like to be perceived as a warm, good mother who is a killer entrepreneur. Okay. Like really those three things. Okay. Then what you do is you ask your friends to find a friend who doesn't know you, one of their friends, but who does not know you. Ask them to Google you and to take a look at your social profiles. Whatever your privacy settings are today, don't change them, just leave them. Ask them to come up with three words that they think describe you. Then look at the two sets of three words and see how they intersect or whether they intersect 
and whether or not they're drastically different. I actually interviewed my daughter, Charlotte Kirpin, on this, on my show Work It on Facebook. And I had her do this test with a couple of people in the office. And they were shocked about how they were perceived. And she was very interested in how she was perceived. There were some <laughs> things that hit and some things that missed. And so this is an ideal opportunity to create your own narrative. You can construct who you are. It should be authentically you, but it should be the best of you. And so this type of exercise gives you an opportunity to kind of gut check on that. And how would you advise someone who is not super active on social media, who like a lot of the job seekers I know nowadays don't even have a Facebook profile or are ditching that altogether? How do you advise folks who are just starting to build up a social trail? Like, is it something, I think a lot of people are afraid. Is it something to just cleanse and and stay away from? Or how does that compare to like your resume, for instance, in how an employer sees you? No presence is a presence, right? If you have no presence and people are looking for you, you will not stand out in the way that others who utilize that opportunity do. And so the question becomes, that doesn't mean you need to be on Facebook with a public profile or Instagram sharing pictures of your food all day. It could be that you're writing thought leadership pieces on LinkedIn. It could be that you're sharing articles that you think are interesting. It doesn't mean that you have to create so much of your own content. It just means that if you're not creating some kind of profile and some kind of footprint that shows who you are, you are letting others determine who you are. And I think that putting it in your own hands, there's never been a more exciting time to do that. Resumes, if you want to talk about not standing out, no matter how creative your resume is, it's in a sea of other resumes. And with this vibrant, multimedia, rich sort of world and landscape, you have an opportunity to really showcase yourself in the best way. Totally. I'm a huge proponent of the CV website. So a lot of folks think I'm not a digital person. So why would I have a website? I'm just Celine, a grad who's looking for a job. And when my fiance, when Brad was looking for a full-time job that would enable us to move from DC to Denver, which we did last year, we built him a website. We branded him. He got on Instagram because his work in architecture and interior design is so ripe for visual expression. And this is a man who is not a copywriter, is not a photographer, is not a website builder. But I, you know, we sat down and really made that happen once we clarified what his goals were and who his ideal audience was. And let me tell you, that definitely helped push the needle when it came to building a paper trail for delivering on his business card after having informational interviews. And he got a job within a month of having those informational interviews here in Denver. Absolutely. I mean, it definitely helps you stand out. And one of my favorites on the websites that I use, I use about.me a lot. Yeah. You don't need to build something from scratch. You can use things that exists that are that are put in place for exactly that purpose. Exactly. And it's so easy nowadays with options like Wix and Squarespace, not sponsored, but feel free to call me Wix or Squarespace, you know? I mean, those options out there have templates specifically for CV or resume 
templates, right? A website that basically says, here's who I am. Here's what I'm all about. Here's why you should hire me. And having that consistent brand as you start your job search, Celine, can make you really pop, especially in addition to having a great informational interview plan. Absolutely. So any other thoughts on how we can stay ahead of the curve as maybe professionals of a certain age, not recent grads? I think a lot of us get a little complacent and sit on our heels. Now we've got IGTV coming out and everyone's starting to experiment with video. I hear Pinterest is about to have some more video components to it. What do you do to stay on the cutting edge of growth when it comes to being a savvy brand or job seeker on the internet? First, I read always, constantly reading, uh, whether it's a business publication or a publication that's specifically around social or digital. I am constantly reading, looking at best-in-class things that people are doing. Second, I use. I play. Even if I don't have a strong strategy on something, I will always test and play. You'll see me everywhere. You might not see me lean into every single piece of every new thing, but you will see me try it because I believe that the only way to understand it is to use it. I have the same experience as a parent when you have all kinds of new things that you have no idea you know, what the kids are even doing. I think <laughs> right. you have to try it because otherwise you're lacking the context of understanding of what's happening. So like, I'm not a gamer but I will look deeply into Twitch. You know what I mean? Like, so looking at all of those things are areas where I'm active, even if I'm not, a, you know, constantly participating. So knowing the networks, being like play with them. So you understand. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be perfect, right? Just get on it and yeah. do something, see what happens, playing and experimenting. That's good. Do you have any favorite publications that you read or favorite sites that you go to that you think we not enough people know about? For job seeking or for with digital? I like Digiday. I read all the ad trades to see, you know, I read Ad Age and Ad Week and all of that stuff. But I also look at, you know, a, an old favorite would be like looking at Mashable or any of those guys. But, you know, there, yeah. are, there are a lot of a lot of changes. And I one thing that I did for me personally I wanted to understand business better. And so I read the, the uh, Wall Street Journal every day. And at first it was like reading a different language. <laughs> Eventually it made sense to me because I had a fear around finance and that kind of stuff. And um, I wanted to really become more financially fluent. And so I just started reading. I love this yeah. time. That's so smart. And in a world where fewer and fewer folks are reading... As, yep. as an author yourself, I'm sure you care. And I have a book coming out next year and I'm like, are people still reading books? You know, it's encouraging. They are. They are still yeah. reading. They just consume them differently, right? Sure. They read them on Kindles or they read them, but people still read books. And I will read your book for sure. Oh, yay. I'll have to send you a copy as soon as it's out. It's coming out next year. I'm excited. Good. Well, Carrie, I feel like we've run the gamut here and I have so much to learn from you. I'm so excited to hear about all the great projects that you're involved with. So if you folks want to hear more from Carrie and her incredible guests that she has on all of her platforms, make sure to tune in for all the social ladies, her podcast, which you can find wherever you're listening to Bossed Up and work it her show on Facebook. Carrie, thanks so much for spending time with us today. Thank you so much, Emily. This is great. So when I'm not navigating workplace politics, I'm looking for ways to improve my relationships, keep up with pop culture and politics, and frankly deal with the everyday sexism I'm constantly encountering. 
If that's you too, you'll love Slate's The Waves podcast. Every week, Invisibilia co-host Hannah Rosen, New York Magazine's Noreen Malone, and Slate's June Thomas and Christina Catarucci unpack all the ways gender shapes our lives with smart takes and a healthy dose of feminist discourse. Download and subscribe to The Waves in Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. And now it's time for this week's Boss Moves Moment of the Week. Hey, Emily. Hey, bosses. This is Rachel calling from St. Paul, Minnesota. And I wanted to call to share a Boss Move moment of the week. It's been more than a week, though. Very recently in my life, an executive director position came open in an organization that I'm really passionate about. And even though I felt like a huge fraud, with the encouragement of my friends and family and bosses in our Courage community, I decided to apply, and that just felt like a really gutsy move all on its own. But then even more, while I did not move forward in the interviewing process, I'm really surprised to discover that I'm okay with it. Honestly, feeling like a failure makes me feel really amazing. You know what, Rachel? Thank you so much for calling in with this boss move, girl. Sometimes our successes have more to do with courage to make that bold move than the outcome that results from it. Every one of us has the opportunity to learn both through things going our way and through getting feedback that it wasn't quite the right fit. So even though this job didn't quite go your way this time, you're absolutely right to celebrate your triumph in applying for it and going for it and learning through that process and especially learning that, you know what? Losing doesn't feel that bad and it's going to make you more likely to get up, brush yourself off and try it again. And I'm so proud of you for calling in with a boss move like this one. This is something we need to hear more about on this podcast and in the world in general and celebrate. So thanks for leading by example, Rachel, and living what it really looks like to be bossed up in your own life. We're cheering you on and I can't wait to hear how things progress for you. And oh, before I wrap up today's podcast, I want to make you all aware, especially our Texan listeners aware of a meetup I'm hosting. It's super casual. It's going to be in Dallas next Tuesday. So one week from today, Tuesday, September 4th, I'm hosting a totally free meetup. I just announced this yesterday in the Vost Up Courage community on Facebook, so make sure you join us there if you haven't already. I'm going to be in town for a corporate training I'm doing with a major hotel chain that's headquartered in Dallas. It rhymes with Lilton, maybe? You might have heard of it. They're doing some really great work when it comes to diversity and inclusion. I'm so excited to be speaking with them for the third time now. But while I'm in town, I, I've learned my lesson having traveled to Dallas in the past and Instagrammed about it and been rude about not hosting any kind of a public meetup while I'm there. So this time around, Tuesday, September 4th, 7 p.m., come hang with me, raise a glass to other badass bossed up women in the area at the Truck Yard in Dallas, which is at 5624 Sears Street. It's in a really cool neighborhood. I'm staying nearby and they've got tons of food truck options and drinks to be had and bonding to take place that evening. I know it's really late notice, but if you are in the Dallas area or know someone who is and is looking to connect with other badass boss ladies, come hang out with me there. You can RSVP on Facebook, but you have to be a member of the Bossed Up Courage community to do so. So if you haven't already, head to bossedup.org, sign up in the very top front homepage form, and you'll get an invite. 
directly in your inbox. I hope to see some podcast listeners in Dallas while I'm there. And stay tuned in the Courage community for more announcements there on meetups I'm hosting as I travel from coast to coast this September, especially. And of course, if you are really ready to take your career and your life to that next level, you better come hang with me at Bossed Up Bootcamp, girl. Our signature training program, Bossed Up Bootcamp, is coming up in D.C. one of the last weekends of the month in September. So make sure you register. If you haven't already, space is very limited. We're almost sold out. Get your butt to Boss Up Bootcamp, a one-of-a-kind weekend that takes a holistic approach to leveling up both in your career and in your life. I hope to see you all IRL real soon, but in the meantime, keep bossing in pursuit of your purpose, and you know that together we'll lift as we climb.
let's face it, speaking up at work can be really hard to do, especially for women and women of color. When the stakes are high and you've already worked so hard to just be the only woman in the room and you want to get everything right, you want to have all your facts and figures accurate before making your voice heard, it's just so much easier to stay silent instead. Researcher Deb Chahansky calls this loss of voice phenomenon. And it actually emerges in adolescent women at greater rates than men. And it sticks with us for the rest of our lives. Self-silencing behavior can actually become an unconscious habit unless we consciously engage in practicing our assertive communication skills. And we here at Bossed Up have set out to help women like you do just that. Speak Up, my live assertive communication course is back open for enrollment, and we're kicking off a new cohort launching this June. Over the course of eight life-changing weeks, you'll have access to interactive online curriculum and live weekly practice sessions where you, Irene and I, and a cohort of fellow Speak Up bosses who are owning their voice, overcoming the social messages that have taught us to keep silent, and really learning to strategically and assertively communicate when it matters most, we'll actually have the practice time to rewire our brains, create new neural pathways, and build better habits when it comes to speaking up with confidence and precision and assertively communicating in the workplace. Learn more and enroll today to secure your spot at bossedup.org speakup. That's bossedup.org speakup.